Well, we did say Jerome Powell wouldn't give too much away on Friday, and he didn't, but markets still responded to it, so we'll look at what the takeouts were today on the podcast. Plus, signs of a slowdown after all the confidence of last week. More data suggesting a recovery might not be picking up a pace after all. We'll see how much truth there is in all of that. And what to look out for this week as well. It's Monday, the 30th of August, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. And it's also our fifth anniversary uh, today for the morning call. Here we are, 1,200 or so episodes later, with over 3 million listens, and we're still going strong. But that's uh, that's enough about us for now. Let's see how last week finished uh, with quite a sharp fall for the US dollar on Friday on the DXY. It lost 0.4%, while we saw a 1% gain on the Aussie dollar, back above 73 US cents for the first time in a couple of weeks. The pound was up half a percent, the euro about one third of 1% up. The, the Japanese yen has gained a quarter quarter percent, while stocks in the US were on the rise, reaching new highs, a 1.2% lift in the Nasdaq, 2.9% up over the week last week. The S&P 500 had a 0.9% lift at the end of the week, and the Dow up 0.7%, uh, with smaller rises in Europe on Friday, half percent rise in the Eurostoxx 50, for example. But big rises in commodity prices, Brent crude up 2.3% on Friday, but a week ago, of course, it was the lowest it had been since May, but it's climbed back almost 12% since then. And the bond markets... Well, they were waiting for Jerome Powell to open his mouth on Friday, and uh, well, ten-year Treasuries fell four basis points. Uh, even so, they're still you know five basis points uh, higher than they were a week ago. Let's look at uh, what happened there at the the virtual Jackson Hole Symposium and what was said by the chair of the Federal Reserve with Rodrigo Cotrill from NAB in Sydney. Uh, look, the the fine art of being a central banker, Rodrigo, Jerome Powell managed to move markets. You saw the big turnaround in stocks, for example. He did all of that. Without saying much, I mean, he certainly didn't, as we predicted on this podcast, he certainly <laughs> didn't commit to a date for the start of tapering, did he? He didn't. Uh, that's right. Morning, Phil. Um, I suppose that there were a few important uh, confirmations, affirmations in terms of views. So that that is relevant. Uh, and the first one is that as much as he didn't provide a, um, a clear starting gun, if you like, or starting date for, for tapering, he did reiterate his view that he thought uh, tapering should should start sometime this year, um, um, and then it gave us some some color around it in, in terms of the uncertainties of the labor market, um, and in terms of particularly the issue around Delta and the potential impact on on the, on the labor market. So that left us with the view that um, the Fed. Um, Maybe a September starting uh, date will be a little bit too soon for it. Um, also, we, we, we've got to bear in mind that he also referenced the, the impact from, you know, the, the employment benefits that will end in September as well. And then um, by after September, you know, the market and, and the FOMC will have a clear view of the state of the labor market and hopefully a clear view on the state of the Delta impact on, on, on the economy as well. So... It left it with with the view that as much as it's still an open-ended, if you like, uh, decision, um, a, a decision is more likely to be around November rather than September. Yeah, exactly. So we've gone past, some people are calling it septaper. Uh, it's, it's not even going to be an octaper, <laughs> is it? So maybe we'll, uh, if it's late November, maybe we'll get a, a thanks tapering. It's the best I can do. Um, but um, <laughs> what else was he saying on Friday? There were probably another two important takeaways. One, um, uh, the Fed acknowledged, the, uh, or rather Fed Chair Powell acknowledged the increase in inflation, but again reiterated his view that he thought that um, much of the drivers lifting inflation uh, are temporary and all to do with, you know, the bottlenecks that have come along with the reopening. Um, and then he, to some extent, 
played less of a, a importance to to concerns that uh, the likes of, for instance, Larry Summers have, have pointed out that we've seen a steady rise to the housing costs uh, um, uh, in in the U.S. Um, alongside an increase in wages. So, um, from Larry Summers' view, which is a strong critique critic of of the the Fed at the moment, is saying, well, these are more permanent rises, and and they continue to rise, and are re- they are a reflection of sort of the the, the, the tightness in, in the market. Um, and, and that plays to the view that inflation or high inflation will, will persist for, for much longer. So um, he kind of, Powell gave a different view to that. He, he, he felt that um, much of those factors are, are likely to be transitory. Um, whilst at the same time, and perhaps even more importantly than everything, is that he stressed that there's a much stricter rule to the decision of rate hikes compared to tapering, and as much as and as much as there has been clear progress in uh, the labour market, we haven't seen substantial progress um, to what it is a new sort of view in terms of the the, the objectives for for maximum employment, um, and therefore we're still a long way from even discussing or even thinking rate hikes. Um, right. So that's so a very a positive so, outcome. So QE could be ended. Before you, for quite some time before he lifted rates, is or they Correct. lifted rates as basically. Correct. Basically so it's trying to, and that's significant because mm. ultimately we think that what really matters for markets, uh, mm. for currencies, and and the and the, the the rates market, is not just the starting of tapering or rather of, of hikings, but uh, what is exactly going to look like? What is the pace and rates yeah. and how high will the new rate cycle look like? Uh, and at the and moment, presu- he's pushing back on that. Yeah, not yeah, exactly. So he's the, that presumably is why we saw that yeah, the positive reaction in stocks because they did turn around a bit, didn't they, uh, during the day on 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 Friday? Yeah, they know there's going to be uh, rate hikes going to be pushed back. Hey, happy days for longer. <laughs> That's right. But not so happy if we do see the rate of growth uh, slowing down. And Bloomberg today is reporting how the latest real time data suggests that a slowdown is happening in the U- in the U.S. economy. The rate of uh, of growth is slowing. Using things like airline check-ins, they're sliding. The number of people dining out is starting to slow as well. Hotel room bookings are well below where they were the year before the pandemic. Uh, they're saying there's a decline in job postings for positions that have close contact with the public, uh, like dental nurses and you know jobs like that, where you know who'd want to do that anyway. Uh, so people are concerned about the Delta variant, clearly, you know, and uh, with over two thousand deaths reported on Saturday. Uh, you know, there's a there's a growth going on in in fatalities, sadly, as well as as well as infections. So I wonder how long now you've got the Fed saying, well, you know, it could take a while longer before we taper. We're certainly, you know, the, the economy's not looking strong enough. Plus all that stuff, could we lose some of that enthusiasm that we and optimism that we saw last week? Do you think? Um, well, uh, yes, the, I think that you've you touched on a lot of things, but I think even even internally, the debates between ourselves, the economists. Uh, is that uh, we've got to be aware um, that, you know, the consumer may behavior may be different post the pandemic. Uh, the, the strong arguments to, to supporting the view that the economy will be well supported by the consumers because we've seen high levels of savings and the expectations that those savings will be, you know, spent, if you like, once the economy reopens. Um, but at the same time, uh, there are some arguments that history suggests that the, um, the consumer tends to be very cautious coming out of big sort of, um, shocking events such as a pandemic or even a world war or something like that. Um, and therefore, the, the, the contribution, if you like, of the consumer to the economy is a little bit more, uh, you know, cautious uh, in events like this. So it remains to be seen how it plays out. 
It's also difficult to to see where we are because um, the the reopening does imply that, like you, for instance, you were just dying to go for holidays, and, and many of us will look forward to the opportunity to go on a holiday. So there will be an outburst of, of demand for services. And then we need to see where we land after that outburst. So a decline in the demand for services in the U.S. kind of makes sense, given that they, they had that reopening outburst. Um, but to your point, um, when we look at, for instance, the market U.S. Uh, PMI, which has come out before the ISM that is out this week, um, there were commentaries around the Delta variant had led to difficulties in hiring new staff, um, also staffing level rising due to, um, you know, relative to, to what we've seen in previous months. So, um, and this, this again is, is probably Powell's view that, you know, we actually need to see, we, we need to wait for the dust to settle to see exactly where we are. Uh, and this is why we think a November tapering is probably more likely than September as well. Uh, because September will be too soon. Yeah, exactly, to see all these these numbers through. So there wasn't, wasn't anything particularly exceptional in the data that was out from the US on Friday. Core PC was 3.6% in July year on year, which is the same as it was in June. Personal income month on month was was up 1.1%. I think it was more than expected. But just as yep, we're saying, well, well pers- well, personal spending slowed to 0.3%. So they've got the money coming in. It's not going out again. Yes. Uh, so we've seen a decline. And, and this is consistent with, for instance, the, the drop in consumer sentiment as yeah, well. Yeah. So the, del- the Delta variant and the spread of the Delta variant in the US is having an impact. Um, the question is whether this is just a temporary blip once we get through and we see the, the, the rate of infection decline and the, the level of vaccination increase, whether it proves to be a temporary impact. But certainly it, some of the, the indicators are telling us that, that it's having an impact. Um, whether it's material enough, it remains to be seen, but certainly there's an impact there. Mm. And the question is as well whether it will be just a temporary one or more longer lasting. So there's a bit more caution in the market this week. It wouldn't be a surprise, would it? What about the uh, the strength in the Aussie dollar that we saw on Friday? With I mean, a chunk of that was the fall in the US dollar. But, uh, we, I mean, we had 1,218 cases yesterday in New South Wales. Victoria not coming out of lockdown this Thursday as planned. Uh, Gladys Berejiklian's uh, easing wasn't much easing at all, was it really? I mean, five people who both had job j- jabs can meet outside in a few weeks' time. Whoopie do. Uh, what's? Yeah. I mean, what's? I mean, can the Aussie dollar maintain its strength when, when all this is going on? Well, um, I, I suppose there's a couple of things. The Aussie had been under a lot of pressure, not just because of the domestic story in terms of the Delta variant, but also in terms of the, the sharp declines that we've seen in key commodity prices, as well as the uncertainties around, um, you know, the, the dollar. The dollar was going up because of this sort of risk aversion, if you like. So a big reversal in the risk aversion from Powell has played a, an important role in picking up the Aussie. Technically speaking as well, the Aussie was in a, it's still in a precarious position. Um, but importantly, on Friday, it wasn't just about this improvement in risk uh, sentiment, but also a pretty pre- significant improvement in the, in the performance of commodities. Uh, and that is a reflection that, that the market is also looking at improvement to, towards the growth outlook and improvement in demand as well. So you pointed out uh, oil prices being the sort of the clear winners, not only on Friday, but also on the week up around 11%. But iron ore is up 14% as well on the week. So copper is up 5%. Uh, so again, metals and every, all commodities have had a good week 
uh, and that's a reflection of the market sort of pricing in an improvement in the global growth outlook uh, and also being very much sensitive to that global growth story um, has also um, enjoyed a, a nice pickup as well. Now, uh, it's Australia GDP uh, for Q2 this week. We get some partials for that today. Um, it's borderline isn't it, as to whether it's going to be positive or not and, uh, you know, whether the headline writers can get excited about starting to talk about a double-dip recession again in uh, in Q3, which will almost certainly be a negative territory. Well, yeah, that's right. So we know that Q3 is going to be a negative number. The question is how bad it's going to be. Uh, our economists at the moment think that, you know, a 3% decline in Q3, it looks reasonable. <laughs> uh, but the, the big question is what happens in Q2. And at the moment... Uh, our economists expect an outcome of 0.1% on the quarter. So um, that's basically, we still don't know what net exports look like. We still don't know what government spending looks like, and we'll, we'll, we'll get that data tomorrow. And today we're also getting inventories. So any any sort of softness in, in those numbers could tilt that 0.1 to zero or potentially negative something. Um, and that, of course, will, will instigate the discussion that now we've gone back onto uh, a negative recession as well. Yeah. All right, well, it's quite a big week for numbers, isn't it? Because we get the non-farm payrolls on Friday, which will be particularly poignant uh, given the talk that Jerome Powell gave on on Friday. Uh, and also the slowdown in China. How serious is that? We're going to get PMIs for China this week. Yes, that, that I think is going to be a big number, for particularly for Australia and Commodity Outlook. Um, we got the official numbers on Tuesday, and then we also have the Kaizen Wednesday and Friday. Um, they're still expected to yeah. print on expansionary mode, so above 50 uh, but the question is, are we going to see yet again another decline and how significant is it? Um, and importantly, it will be the color around it. Is it, is it because of Delta? Because we've got to remember that China has also had a, a strict lockdowns because of it. Um, and if so, then, you know, we can say, okay, well, this is mainly just a temporary factor and we should expect a rebound and a strong one too. Um, but if it's more underlying themes that are around it, that will be important. Um, and of course, we also have the ASMs. Um, you know, the, for, for the U.S. on Wednesday and services on Friday. So right. very important lots, data releases as lots well. Lots to talk about this week. Absolutely. Right. As we get into year six of the morning call. Uh, good to talk, <laughs> Rodrigo. I'll catch you again very soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. I think we've almost got the hang of this now, haven't we? Uh, that's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Have yourself a great day. See you in the morning.